rap we hear it all the time you do not want to leave it in the hands of the judges we learn that again which means it's time for verbal tap the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage uh it doesn't require as much moving in a circular motion i am your host kevin with me of course raf esparza raf how are you doing this evening not bad uh i don't know why people are upset about this decision you th- agree you think the decision was good we're of course talking about D- tj dillashaw mm-hmm. losing his championship belt to none other than apparently the comeback kid of the year dominic cruz of all is, time of, in, oh, excuse me of all time of all time uh dominic cruz mm-hmm. i do not feel as strongly i guess i feel like Dominic Cruz had a very Carlos Condit-like strategy. He employed it, and I guess isn't the rule you have to take the title from the champ? I thought he had easily ahead three rounds. So based off of that math, I thought I had him there. The only thing that really got me, when they say it's like a razor-thin kind of decision, it made me think those last two rounds which people have spoken to, I guess, to some extent, felt like it could have left a very different impression because I did feel that uh, TJ came a little bit more alive in those rounds, especially I thought the fourth round where I thought he was connecting. I thought he got that. He was pushing up up against the cage. like It was just a way better round for TJ all around. If anything, I just thought he was off. And most of that came from our, our good friend, uh, the debater, the great debater, Dominic Cruz's movement. And it's tough because a lot of people want to say that if he was moving, then he's not striking. But his counters weren't bad. So I think you can make some arguments. But I, I was just sitting there and I'm like, I think he won. Two things, though. Number one, Dominic Cruz never once inflicted real damage it appeared on TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, I don't really feel that Dillashaw damaged him all that much. I thought the most memorable things that TJ did to me were he would once in a while connect with the face, which, okay, he had one good kick. But then on the other side, Dominic Cruz was actually the one getting the takedowns. So a higher propensity of that. And it really comes into the fact of how much do you value takedowns? Is it really that important? And we know the UFC occasionally very much values them and occasionally doesn't. But I will say Dominic Cruz should tone back the smack talk because that was pretty boring. In a, in a traditional sense of like, he didn't appear to be imploring a strategy where he would knock him out of any kind. Maybe. I just feel like he knew that he was better served doing what he always does and you can maybe even call him the floyd mayweather of that division because he was really good at playing i'm sure he would love that i'm sure he would too i'm sure he would really really go off of it and say that you know it's not his agenda to go out there and take as many hits as possible i feel if anything though Joe Rogan called it a technically beautiful fight, and I do agree with that. And the main yeah, reason of that exciting too, a lot of good exchanges. That which is it? You said that he should tone down his talk because it wasn't that good of a fight, but then it was a very exciting fight. I, I'm saying it would technically there was some great sparring, some fun stuff. 
but it's not like Dominic Cruz was out there trying to end him or put him down or finish him or advance a position or do anything with his takedowns. And he had kind of made it sound like I I'm going to come there and finish him. I actually think he was trying to do something with the takedowns, yeah. but I thought that TJ was relentless in getting back up and there really wasn't a lot of time to neutralize him. Like he had a that wrestler in him that was like, I got to get fucking back up. I still feel though that that was seemed to at least be initiating more than TJ's ability to like, he just didn't look like he was able to connect. And I think they are right. If you look at the factors that in certain rounds he was getting outstruck, which is kind of insane if you feel that he's pushing the action, but it was because he was missing so much and that TJ was, he just looked a little more flat foot and you look at that and you go, Oh, it's, something's not right there. He does seem to be taking off his game there. I was okay with it. Um, I would have enjoyed a little bit. I don't know. Just uh, had one of those, eh, we're never going to quite slug this out moments. Pretty early on. Speaking of, we're not going to slug this out. Anthony Pettis loses um, in a similar strategy, except executed very differently by Eddie Alvarez where instead of using movement to stun and um, frustrate his opponent, Eddie Alvarez just pushed Anthony Pettis into a cage for eight minutes. I mean, maybe we should have switched fighters. Maybe we should have had Pettis God, that would have been fight fun. Dominic Cruz, and we should have had Alvarez uh, fight TJ Dillashaw. That uh, was my whole thought the whole time. Maybe. Where do you fall on the Pettis-Alvarez fight? Where are you at on this guy? I felt really bad that it took Pettis around to really feel like he could get in the fight because I think that was so damaging in terms of momentum for him because it wasn't until the second round that he really started to get a feel for his kicks, maybe even the end of the first, but I, I felt like he was starting to at least show a good sense of, I'm going to kick you if you try and rush in. Alvarez just had a really good wrestling cage strategy and I guess the harder thing to do is to actually pull it off. It's one thing to say you're going to put somebody up against the cage, especially like uh, Anthony Pettis. But is that points? Is it just points that? to put someone up against the cage? Uh, no, but I mean it neutralizes them. We're it calling neutralizes. it control. What are we calling it? Uh, the joke I put on there, and this was actually in reference to uh, Dillashaw and to uh, Cruz was they said, I don't know if that control looks all that accurate in terms of uh, how much Dominic Cruz had. And I go, no, 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 no. That was how long they were singing the song Control by Puddle of Mud in the ring. Everybody had time to look the lyrics up and learn it on the guitar. They did. And you would think that Dominic would have the edge there, but he just... You know, <laughs> I'm surprised too. Eddie Alvarez... Congrats on easily the most boring victory of the night. Everyone really didn't seem to dig it, either from the uh, crowd perspective. Oh, and Pettis was pissed. He should be, but Pettis should also figure out a way not to just get leaned on and be okay with it the entire effing time. It's like, no one, they're not doing anything to you, Pettis. They're not trying to do anything to you. So figure out a fucking strategy to where you don't just hang out against the fence kind of throwing those little elbows why don't you try that Ugh. i still feel whenever you talk about wrestling you you like skip a few steps what uh, where was the damage being inflicted upon i guess 
I understand that you are upset that there didn't seem to be as much damage as possible done, but it's not easy to necessarily always get around a wrestler. I think the Pettis is a he's a very smart fighter. And I feel like they had implemented a strategy where you get this relentless wrestler that you just kind of get lost on. Like your your game plan goes a little bit out the window when they're just that imposing with being that guy who's relentlessly putting you up against the cage. True or false, though. That's also what cost him his last fight. Uh, I don't know. That actually happened at my wedding, and I still haven't seen that fight. But <laughs> so Pettis, you know, that's kind of how he got beat up the first time. Just And it's to me, it's one of those things where it's like it's the only thing people do to him. No sure, one ever and- outstrikes him. No one ever does that. Sure, but I mean, it's it's still one that's difficult. I mean, you could say that he could learn that and go there, but well, I guess it's by way of tell me somebody going to be a long way back to the top, Anthony. If sure. uh, you're going to be struggling to get Al- Eddie Alvarez from doing anything other than controlling you, that's fine. But Eddie Alvarez has been in wars too, so I mean, I'm sure he wanted to take the the path of least resistance to his face being fucked up too. So I think between that and I think between you get somebody who is that good of a wrestler, it is tough. So sure, yeah, you can credit it to somebody highlighting the weakness in, in this, the plan there. But hey, yeah. Speaking about weakness in the plan, let's talk about weakness in God's plan. You poke someone in the eye, <laughs> you can really remove their ability to to depth perceive, to stay focused. The first one you know, didn't look quite so bad, but there was a lot of paw in that business. The second one was authoritative and the referee was like, we'll just ignore it. We'll, we'll ignore it. If his eye just blinks back to safety by the second one, did you feel like the fight was in jeopardy and should be in jeopardy? Um, I mean, I guess the takeaway is cheat, cheat and cheat. Cause it really doesn't seem to be too many bad sides here. Just um, look at his fucking eye, by the way. Oh, my God. For those that haven't, you know those moments like when Anderson Silva's foot looked at his shin from the other side of Weidman's shin? Mm. It, this is like this is one of those. This is on par with that moment. I've never seen a fighter, and it was a bad hematoma, but I've never seen a fighter grow a quado on their face. Listen to you, hematoma. <laughs> and a, a quado, for those of you who are uninitiated, is the character who appeared in the movie Total Recall. They basically appear in someone's body. In this case, I believe it's in their stomach. And it's another living human being that is basically being like, oh, I'm an alien. I'm crazy. It's Mars. That's exactly what his face looked like. It looked like one of those things was in his eye. And I thought it was going to come to life. I thought it was going to start singing and dancing. And I will say the one nicest thing that Fox did or that his camp did was they gave him an ice pack and they said, you put this over your face. You do not show that on camera. Trust us. It's disg- it makes my butt hurt now. Like I can feel it. What did you say? You thighs. said this and some other people were saying it online. But what did you text me when I sent you the first meme? It- looks like the evil villain mr brain and it (laughs) the second thing it says look like a testicle on his face like it looked like a third testicle had come popping out of his eye and what was my response to that uh he goes balls out 
that was you. You felt <laughs> very good. And he does. He goes, uh, balls Literally everywhere. Balls out. Matt Mitchell loses in controversial TKO fashion to Travis Brown because he got uh, penetrated twice <laughs> in the cage uh, by Travis Brown. A uh, couple of fingers on separate occasions. I did enjoy that MMA roasted joke. Ref, he was like, after the second round, he's like, I have it two to zero, Travis Brown. Not the score, just the ratio of functioning eyes. <laughs> Uh, let's keep moving down because, you know, I don't know if we're going to feel um, a big sense of resolution on that. But that was the only finish of the fight, so pay attention, people. Ross Pearson loses to Francisco Trinaldo via decision. Yes. Um, that was another technically great fight. That was fine. Yeah. Cote <laughs> uh, beats up on some Saunders. That was really cool to see. I was I was nervous for uh, actually no, I wasn't nervous for that one. Herman was the one I was nervous for, but uh, Cote, I thought, man, when's the last time we've seen him look that good everywhere? And he did bring the noise, by the way, because Saunders brought some uh, pretty interesting rubber guard with his giant legs, kind of. But and he didn't Cote really had... implode Im- impose all that much. He does that in no. other fights. But no. yesterday he was just like, "Oh, I'm going to play top. How does this even work?" Cote was Cote looked amazing. Mm. Um, I was impressed. I really was. Any other fights stand out? I went to dinner beforehand. Yeah, um, not particularly. I'm trying to think if there was Timbo's lost, but you know, I think honorable mention for still fighting. Yeah, like I said, with Bosch and. With Herman, I you know Herman just looked like he was, and I was completely wrong on this. I was just concerned for him. I wasn't sure how he was going to favor in this. And I maybe maybe Kevin, you have occasionally a man bun. Yes, yes. Okay. I don't know that you saw Ed Herman's I've version of it. a mad bun. Yes. Okay, but it involves both bun, so hair bun in there. But compiled together in a cornrow first and then kind of like grouped together because it's kind of like on the sides, it's shaved, so it's multi where it just leaves yeah. that top up there. He, he, am I wrong? Is there a sense of ginger there? Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Is that the PC term? <laughs> am I no, allowed no, to? We're going to get lots of letters now. <laughs> we're we're going to get four letters. Uh, mm-hmm. it, Redhead. I believe he's redhead. Adding to the problem with his shaved man bun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just looked like the weirdest. I don't get this. Well, I think he looks adorable, and I support support your choices, Ed Herman. Um, there was mm-hmm. another great fight, by the way, at the beginning. Um, Luke Saunders versus Maximo Blanco. Mm-hmm. The fight had some serious jujitsu moments, and it had a lot of swinging. So, great one. Honorable mention of those guys. Fun fights, Raph. Yeah. Very happy that uh, the great region of Boston, Massachusetts was able to pull it together and not have too many fights in their own stands. Always applaud worthy when they pull anything Mm -hmm. together. Uh, Let's set up what's next. I'm excited about this. Okay. 
guys, I don't know how we haven't really brought this up this entire time we've been talking to you. We've been excited to talk about it. And by excited, we mean like, what the fuck's happened in the jiu-jitsu world? You may or may not have seen this, but some Instagrams were taken over. People were very angry about it. There were some people who were not. And I know that some of you guys are MMA fans and you don't necessarily listen to the jiu-jitsu side, but we want you to take a closer look with us on this particular case. You may have heard us talk a little bit about Metamorris. It is a jiu-jitsu organization that has since gone through its fair share of struggles, I guess is what we can say. And we've done our best to compile everything that's happened within the past week and present it for your ears. So what we've done is we've gotten some of our friends to help us read the exact statements that have been used in uh, this takeover that was made by one gentleman who competed for the organization Metamorphs and wasn't paid. And that person would be AJ Agazarm, who's been on our podcast. And yes, we talked with him about that very thing when he showed up on that podcast. So without any further ado, let us take us to a special investigation of what transpired this week with the Metamorphs takeover. The story is a little confusing, so bear with us. In order to help better understand exactly what happened, we called a few of our friends to help recreate exactly what happened on the official Metamorphs social media accounts. It all started innocently enough with a proclamation on the official Metamora social media account. The AJ Agazarm takeover happens all day tomorrow, Monday, only at Instagram.com backslash Metamoris. Although, as we would soon find out, it wouldn't only be at Instagram.com backslash Metamoris. In this particular instance, not unlike other athletes who had visited the site and showed off a few Instagram photos of their training and outside lives, we had an athlete who was basically showing off a normal lifestyle. That is, until this post went up live from AJ himself. Dear Halleck, for quite some time you have been using my image, my likeness, and the likenesses of others to promote your business and the brand Metamorris. You you claim to represent the values that jiu-jitsu stands for, but you've been hiding behind empty promises. It has been over six months since my bout with Carl Parisian, and I still haven't been paid. It's not about the money. It wasn't a lot. But instead, it's about the principle. We put everything on the line to make it as exciting and entertaining as possible for the fans. I took the match on short notice to help save your show. And I still have not yet seen a single dollar. I think it's massively unjust that your brand equity continues to ascend by using the image of athletes that you promise to pay. But do not, while other organizations, such as Polaris, are struggling with brand recognition and event success. The last Polaris card was one of the best the community has ever seen. And not just for the quality of the matchups. They paid all their athletes, plus expenses. And they did not even make a profit. 
This is elevating the sport and allowing us athletes to make a living. Make this right. Stop double charging your customers and pay your athletes. The Instagram takeover will continue until you've done right. Calm down, Halleck. Now's not the time for fear. That comes later. Thank you, Gary Tonin. As Metamorris went radio silent and had its account abducted, one of their most famous competitors stepped up to come to the defense of the misunderstood company practices. Keenan Cornelius. Hi, Raf. This is Keenan. I know you and me are on a first-name basis now, so I guess uh, this is what I think about Metamorris. It's easy to look at this Metamorris situation from the outside and point fingers at Halleck Gracie. As an athlete that competed in Metamorris events four times, I had more engagement with the management than most, and I can speak from personal experience that when Metamorris had the capital to pay their athletes, they paid them well, actually more than double what other superfight organizations were paying, although sometimes only half of the pay at a time, and months and months in between payments. But it's not because they could afford it. It's because be- it's because they believed in jiu-jitsu fighters as professionals and deserved to get paid for the time on their mats training, not just the time fighting in the venue. Unless your name was Gary, or Joe, or really anyone who was on their last card. Uh, unfortunately, the greater BJJ audience doesn't watch BJJ as pastime and is especially unaccustomed to paying to watch grappling matches. Yet they kept going with their dream of creating a grappling event that could rival the UFC, whether or not they could afford to pay the stars of the show, and continued putting greater and greater amounts of money into the best production value of any grappling event to do so yet. Metamorris 1 through 5 paid all their athletes in a timely manner. Again, so long as your last Again, so long as your last name wasn't Tonin or Lozon. So when Halleck told me he couldn't afford my payment for M6, I knew something wasn't right. The generosity he and the benefactors of Metamorris showed certain athletes from those original five events is not lost on me. And when I heard that Let me try that again. And when I heard that they couldn't afford the payments of the athletes for the most recent event, I didn't see a business trying to swindle the athletes, but a group of dedicated people struggling to make a great event to represent jiu-jitsu on the grappling to represent jiu-jitsu and grappling on a world stage for a lot less money than it was worth. We shouldn't be on a witch hunt for Halleck. He's someone who took a tremendous risk and followed a dream and it didn't work out. Now a lot of people are waiting to be paid or paid back or getting merchandise they paid for already. But that's something that should be applauded, patronized, and not vilified. I have fought for many events, but never for a group that put such high value on its fighters, proverbially speaking. Never... Try that last line again. I fought for many events, but never for a group that put such a high value on its fighters, proverbially speaking. I know that Metamorris didn't do this out of choice, but out of incompetence. And as... And as... Let me try that again. I know that Metamorris didn't do this out of choice, but out of incompetence. And as practitioners of the sport they have shown such value towards, we should return that with more and more and more financial support. Thank you, Drew Weatherhead of Because Jiu-Jitsu. Of course, the official Metamorris account didn't stay silent forever. Metamorris president, Hollett Gracie, decided to finally speak out. 
When our grandfather, Elio Gracie, invented reading back in 1686, there were not words like elevate. Thank you, Eric Heath of Jits Grips. However, that's when things really started to get dicey. As AJ revealed a text message that he received from Halleck that didn't sound too friendly. It's a very real thing, including possible jail time in addition to defamation and slander. I'm cool if you just return the account to us and make a public apology about how you got carried away and will deal with the issues with me in private. private. You could also suggest how you realize my efforts have always been to elevate Elevate, elevate, elevate the industry, which you've told me in person many times. If you handle this immediately, I would appreciate it and feel less inclined to allow my friends to take legal action against you personally. Hey man, I spoke to someone from the FBI today and told them I don't want to press charges, just get the account back. Let me know what you're thinking for a timeline. Signed, Halleck. Thank you, Brandon McCatherine of 10th Planet Decatur. Oh, but that wasn't the only part in that Instagram message. There also happened to be a post from an authority figure. Perhaps the FBI? We can't be sure, but someone important. Mr. Agazarm, I'm sorry our phone call was disconnected. Per our telephone conversation, I promised you a short email with a synopsis of the details we spoke about. I was contacted by Ryron Gracie with details that his brother, Ralek Gracie, and business Metamoris owe you $2,000 for services rendered, and that you have a Metamoris Instagram social media account of theirs, quote, hijacked, demanding payment be made in order to release control of this business account. Prior to myself forwarding this information to our FBI Los Angeles field office for investigation deemed appropriate, I wanted to contact you to see if you would reach out to Meta Morrison. Well, yeah, resolve this matter. Sincerely, the FBI. Thank you very much, Todd Schaefer from the Jiu-Jitsu Times. Of course. Halleck wasn't going to just stand idly by as someone was trashing his account from within. When attempting to build a masterpiece, we can't avoid the mess, as it's nature's own system of checks and balances, failure and discovery, life and death. Depending on our perception, it can feel as though we're always fighting against ourselves and our fears, or through introspection, that we are finding ourselves and our passions. Thus, one could argue that our only real challenge is to be sure our missions stay true to our innermost passions, and so we can be more likely to value the failures as essential for our own refinement. It seems that when we point out the shortcomings, dirt, clay, of others, we often miss the greatest beauty and learning of our own mission. We are all human, and as long as we're willing to honor and appreciate our own journey, we are automatically respecting the journey of all living things. In Metamoris, we are grateful for our dirt and feel a tremendous responsibility to consistently refine our craft. We will hide our dirt not from shame, 
but out of respect for the struggles of others because it's our own responsibility to clean up and keep building. Our obligation is to verify that our motivation is internal and rooted in a love for submission grappling and respect for the ones who struggle to refine their game through the same love. Thank you, Amici Akpom of BJJ Brain and BJJ Training Journal. (laughs) And don't think Hollick stopped there. He wasn't afraid to talk to the people in the comments section as well. You will get your money when it makes sense. Stop trying to make this all about you. I never demanded silence. Most athletes just know where my heart is and they believe in me to make things right. We need to be strategic with payouts between events and you know that. The industry is a struggle. Has nothing to do with trying to disrespect anyone and quite the opposite. When we last spoke, you didn't mind the delay in your pay and just wanted to be in the Metamorphs Pro event. Holding our Instagram hostage is petty and doesn't do anyone any favors. It actually disrespects the people we may owe because it devalues the brand and owes them and makes it harder for them to get paid, including you. But your ego couldn't see that. Congratulations on making a mess, and thanks for showing me that you're really about. Ugh. Thank you very much, Mike Hoffer, of Jiu-Jitsu in the park. Of course, the fun was soon over, and the account returned back to its rightful owners. AJ looked like he was on the run for a while, but then put this last message out regarding the takeover. Good evening, Jiu-Jitsu. There are some things that need to be made known. I did not hack the Metamorphs Instagram account, as it has been alleged. It was voluntarily given to me as a takeover. During the account takeover, Halleck has chosen not to correct what he has done, but instead I have received threats of a lawsuit and a phone call on behalf of Henner in an attempt to bully me to to give the account back. Halleck blames his actions on a series of accidental failures that come with being in a business or being a visionary. New ventures often struggle, but no other businesses would get away with failing to pay its financial obligations or by providing services for which it's charging customers, compromising credit cards along with other non-payment of the athletes. It's no accident. It's a choice. I don't think we should sit by idly and let Metamores continue to get away with these things. Thank you very much, Jesse Saxon of White Belt Survival. And yes, like any good redemption tale, Hollick finally commented on the error of his ways. I'm sorry to everyone I've been laid on pain. When you know better, you do better. And I'm always a student. Thank you, Ruben Avalia of The Gentle Artist. Now, fans. We will try and do our best to answer your obvious question. What? What the fuck? Raf, the what the fuck? I'm not sure. Okay, so now that we've gone through all of the step-by-step process of what the hell happened with Metamorris and AJ and Hollick this week, uh, we thought it might be best to bring on somebody who's connected in the podcast community. Isn't that right, Kevin? You know, like most people, back in 2012, when it started, I had just started jiu-jitsu, but I had heard of Metamorris. Mm-hmm. It grew, we grew, and then after six, I just thought, oh, they came with Hunter Arms. 
I wasn't prepared for how much more there was to this. Well, as we've seen, there's a lot to this story. And to help us break it down, we thought that we would reach out to our good friends over at Inside BJJ. So we on the line right now have Matt Freeman. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great tonight, chilling in the Deuce 09. It's an honor to talk to you guys. Big fan of your show. And I'm glad you guys called me. Well, I mean, listen, you know, we're always... A lot of people, I guess, understand that when you have different podcasts, it's as if, like, you can't pretend the other one exists. Like, they think, like, <laughs> do you guys know each other? How come you guys are talking to each other? It's like, well, they're actually very nice people, and I've been on their show, and we always send very nice notes to each other. But this is the reason why I need to ask you in particular. This is when we need to combine forces and bring our shows together, because There's what the fuck is facts. happening? Like, in your brain, <laughs> like, what is your... When you saw that the takeover was happening, what was the first response that, that you had to this? Well, the first thing I thought, I, I thought immediately, it reminded me of some like some like old school wrestling where DX tried to gang rush and take over uh, WCW. Like that's the first thing that I thought of um, was some wrestling shit. But I don't know, man. I was shocked. I mean, I don't get shocked very easily, especially when it comes to Halleck and Metamorphs. Nothing really surprised me, but that Fair. surprised me. That was really... I've never seen anything like that, the way that went down. That was fucking funny. So, okay, you see that AJ takes over this Metamorphs account, and the, I guess the weirdest part about the whole aspect to me is he was playing the game of show you this photo of him training, here's some acai, or whatever he's <laughs> posting, and... Then all of a sudden he does this about face as he's about to sign off. And before you know it, there's this Dear Holic uh, note on his – that he's put on there. So when you read that, you know, did you see it first? Did somebody have to send it to you? Did one of your listeners send you know it to what? you? How did you find it? I first seen it um, on Facebook. Somebody, I think it may have been you actually. Um, you know, someone was just awesome. reposting it. I was like, <laughs> holy sh- – I was like, holy shit. Yeah, man, um, God, I, you know, the Gracies, um, obviously they're, they're sacred people. They, they built all this shit that we love, but there comes a point in time where we just have to say, I think that Alec is an arrogant fucking douchebag. And, and that's, I think, the moral of the story. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. But. I, well, I think there's plenty of evidence that you could make that claim. I just find that well, you know. Here's the, and, and you can tell me if you're different on this because Kevin may have a different opinion as well. But this is my general. I'm just feeling. trying to rank most offensive things he's done in my head, <laughs> and it's like difficult in terms of well, which is first. Hold on. So you guys keep going. I'm I'm on a mission over here internally. Just, it's just Kevin, not easy. I just feel like every time we go through this, and I said this on your podcast. I said. I think Holic feels that the world is always out to get him. And I think there's a perception that we are all like sitting in our rooms where we do our podcast conspiring as oh. to who we're going to attack next. Which we are currently, but not this is pre this is post attack. So we're planning after the fact. No, but what I'm all, saying really. here is is that when it looks like that, then it makes it seem like we're doing something. But in actuality, we're just responding to most we're of reacting. the nonsense that happens. So um, I and guess... What we do, we fucking talk about shit that's going on. And this happens to be going on 
I kind of think that Halleck thinks we're all fucking morons and that we don't, you know, we're too stupid to really know what's going on and we can't piece things together because we're not artists like he is. I don't know, man. I mean, this metamorphosis thing has been so disappointing. I think you probably were really all for it. I was all for it. We, everybody was all behind it. We really wanted this thing to be as big as it possibly could be. And then just to watch it all just go to shit for a lot of different stupid reasons is depressing. Let me ask you guys this. And I'm why are Keenan and Kyotera and maybe a few others, I haven't seen if anyone else has, this week, basically after the whole AJ takeover thing, which has been the cataclysm for a lot of events, as people are now aware, why are they sending messages what's the what's the rib here are we keeping them on retainer that metamoras might make this sweeping comeback did he really pay them that much money i'm curious your thoughts you know a man that one i just i really don't know i mean it's crazy though it's crazy if he's making them promises and he hasn't even paid you know the other dude you know what i find crazy too is that yeah, you don't have the money to pay everyone, but yet you're off, supposedly you're offering six-figure contracts to, to Gary Fonda, but yet you can't pay other people like Phoenix compared to that. <laughs> so I don't. It, it doesn't all make that much sense to me at all. No, I guess that's. But then again, you know, we're talking about um, a guy who thought Gene and Key was a good song. So this is you. true. It, it's it's the hardest. Gene and Key was a good song, and he was. Trying. I think that um, Halle Gracie is such a horrible promoter that he would have a better chance making it in the rap business. I told him that. I, we tried to tell him that at the Jiu-Jitsu Expo. We pleaded with him to make Gianagi 2. <laughs> and uh, had he, I like to think all of these funding failures would be just a distant memory. He'd be it's just to show that we're not above. He actually gets into the club. He actually gets oh. into the club this time. They don't, you know, and Genius. It, it starts. Gianagi and a C. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things is, um, in the beginning, the very beginning of Metamorphs, he was he was very good. You know, we talked to him a few times. He came on our show and he promoted it. But then something happened and he changed. I remember, you know, recalling him. This is our story with, with him, Halleck. You know, saying, hey, you got a Metamorphs coming up. Why don't you come on the podcast again? And then all of a sudden he has no recollection of ever being on the podcast before, which he may not. I don't know. And then the second question was, well, how many listeners do you have? And the third, and the third thing was, well, I'm only doing things like ESPN now. I'm not doing small stuff anymore. <laughs> and it's like, dude, people that watch ESPN don't even know what the fuck jujitsu is. And the people who listen to podcasts like yours and like ours, those are the people that are going to buy this shit. Guys, hold on. And it's like, was he, Halleck on ESPN and I missed it? No, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> God, thank God. That was a response. Oh, like, we're doing okay, we're like fine. ESPN. We're not. That sounds small. like him. I was just having a moment where I was like, "Did I miss something?" No, we're fine. Maybe he was. I don't know. I don't he know. Definitely, probably but, wasn't. But um, you know, he went from this. This started out as a grassroots thing, and he was and he wanted grassroots support, and then that all of a sudden he tried to make it a corporate thing, and it's like you're, you're nowhere near like on any type of a corporate level. That's an interesting that point direction. to me. It was very much about helping the community at first, which is why he was so friendly to the media, which was us, which was you, which was everyone. And then that did change because after when did we get banned, Raft? Do you remember? Here's the thing: three? we never officially got banned. Not banned. We never but he, were well, he banned, banned all but media. They banned he was like media. no boss. 
just make sure you're clear that we never like <laughs> sorry did some shit that like Halleck was like well fuck you guys. breaking news verbal tap was banned by Halleck Gracie yeah no shit that might up our stakes right now but I guess the reason why I bring this up media. is though Kev is is because of this which is weird because yes there was a weird change and it was about that time I got this vibe around that time and maybe it was the vibe they were always going for but they were trying to make it like an exclusive club that nobody wants to go into anymore and then people started realizing they're like i'm just not going to go to this club and then they're like wait wait you guys don't like clubs you don't support the club community and it's like no this club just didn't want us so what is it that you think again this comes into the idea of it's some sort of weird conspiracy that we're all against it. And even then, we were pretty forgiving we for a number it. of things. Oh, yeah. Even when it was like kind of getting a little fucked, we were still super supportive and wanted to... I didn't really turn... I didn't turn on this thing until the Gary Bonner incident. And I still watch, but I, that's when I started getting sour. Yeah. And it's and hard because... It's like, well, I mean, now we're at such a, such a cataclysmic kind of installment of this whole thing that now I feel like the parodies of everything that happens like if you were to make up a headline it would probably just be true yeah, you just give it two weeks and then it's actually going to happen I was saying giraffe remember he insulted women along the way if you can jaunt her back to that point in time hey, not bringing it. I mean you know anyone who knows anything knows that that the next market in in all of these sports, MMA, even professional wrestling, it's just, it just is is the women's movement. I mean, if you can't kick up on that market, then you're really not a very good promoter. And he obviously, oh god, I just again. So I'd say between that, AJ taking over the Metamorphs account, uh, not that paying was, that people. That was the biggest thing that's happened. <laughs> Not paying people like for Eddie regional, and, but which one of these is the number one? Uh, insults women over the account. That's like that was just crazy. That definitely gets the notoriety. So, Matt, let me ask you this: Some people were saying this is a play by AJ to bring more attention to himself. I mean, I just you can think, argue I don't think with so. I don't know. What is your impression? Like, what did you get off of this? Because. I, I think many people have very predisposed uh, ideas of what AJ is about. Um, I don't know. Like I, say, I don't know AJ that well. I've never, I've never um, interviewed him or anything or, or spoken to him personally. Or I don't know people that know him personally. But just from my own take, I just think he was pissed off because he never got fucking paid. And he was like, hey, motherfucker, you know, this shit ain't right. That's, that's, what, that's what I took from it. I mean... And it's funny, I think you posted an article, if I'm not mistaken, on Facebook or with someone else about how Halleck was pissed back in the day when he fought and didn't get paid in, in like six uh, months had gone by. Yeah, right. Because uh, <laughs> I read it too and was like, oh, that's funny. Irony is good stuff. Again, it's one of those yeah. things you think that you've invented. Like, like when I read that article, I go, oh, did somebody write this? That would be so funny. And then you see it's on MMA fighting and you go, Oh, well, clearly this website is, it's just been made within the past 24 hours. No, this was, oh, 2010? Yeah, that sounds about right. It's, it's, yep. There's a lot of controversy in Gracie land these days. I've never, <laughs> I've never quite seen it. Like, you got Hoist, Owen, the IRS, you got Hickson calling them charlatans, you got Pedro Sauer now joining the academy, and then you got this, um, 
um, Halixing, and then you got supposedly Henner or, or them contacting the FBI and trying to bully um, AJ. I mean, it's fucking crazy. It's like we're living in the Twilight Zone. I just, like, it's so funny. Like, the isn't posing as the FBI a crime in itself? <laughs> I just, I keep getting that in my brain that I was like, well, wait, isn't that a crime? Like, can you do that? Or do you just have like a weird contact that just pretends it's like, I do this all the time. Hello, this is the FBI. Like, again, you know, do yourselves a favor, listeners, if you can do this in your life, just to see what it's like. I have friends who have nothing to do with jujitsu, and one of my favorite pastimes when shit gets too wacky is to try and explain what's going on to them who have no idea what's going on. So I literally sat them down for 10 minutes and goes, guys, can I tell you a story about jujitsu? And they're like, no. And I go, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And I proceed to tell them this bit by bit story of what's going on in Metamoris. And they're like, that's illegal. <laughs> and I go, that's illegal. <laughs> It's crazy and it's illegal. It definitely has to be. And what I said to Raf is, I don't believe this is the FBI's jurisdiction to deal with local Instagram hacking. <laughs> and it wasn't even hacking, I don't think. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was given the ability to get on the Metamorphs Instagram. Correct. Which is, I guess maybe the argument was that they were thinking was that he was holding it above their heads and saying, nah, I'm not giving it back to you guys. Yeah. He did try to make it like that, that film, like these takeovers might keep continuing. And then I felt like it was weird. They like I be felt more careful who they give it to. I felt like it looked like AJ was on the run. I know he travels a lot, but that video that he posted of himself looked like, uh, Hey guys, I don't have much time to talk, but Holly was trying to get the, the account back, and I'm just here to let you know we got to stop him. And uh, the message cuts out. It's just like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> this is so funny. You know, um, what else was weird is um, not that long ago, I think I heard Damian Maya talking about how Halleck was talking to him about possibly putting a match together with him and Nick Diaz. And it's like, well, how the fuck are you trying to put something like that together when you haven't even paid people? I know. <laughs> It's, and then I wondered, did, who, the who else did get paid? I mean, like that. Yeah, everybody didn't. Did, um, he hasn't paid anyone yeah. after five. Nobody got. Wow, holy shit! So you would think. Well, we don't know what, that's what, that from a hundred percent sure. We, we know do some know that, people got a little bit. We know we do know that Keaton, a number of people did not get paid, yeah. and that. And the, here's the weird part: is this is where I think. I think you guys do a pretty good job of this, but we, we try and do a hard line of, we hear a lot of things just from people that we know. And it's hard to always delineate what's speculation or what's made up, but we, we have a pretty hard line of not reporting things just because it sounds cool to report because we have an inside scoop. So we've heard rumblings about people not getting paid. I've talked with a number of those people. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you have heard that for a while. I didn't know it was to this extent. And you, you hope in your your mind of minds that it's some sort of oversight that it it gets uh, taken care of. But Kev, you will remember this. AJ came on our show, and we thought it was a really, you know, what I mean, they, they made it an exciting match. It happened to be. He seemed excited about the future of Metamorphos at the time, and we had in that discussion. I don't know if you remember. 
but we had said, did you get paid? Because we had heard even then it was a problem. And AJ was like, no, I didn't get paid. But I, guys, I'm going to get paid. And he, he was, was confident. We were like, okay, so you haven't. Ben so paid. happy to play the line. <laughs> and, and How dare you? Don't you goddamn come on our show and blame us for this. I'm going to be like, you know what it really went south was when Hollick started talking to the guys at Inside BJJ. That's when I think you could notice the cracks were really starting Back to show. His investor called him and said no more. <laughs> See, no I just wanted to interview him. I want to know what's in his backpack. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was upset Not about. money, you know, probably. Well, I went through a whole bunch of uh, Hollick pictures because I was looking at we were getting people to suggest who should play who in a made-for-movie picture that I will obviously write of this. And there's a photo of Hollick with this backpack that I never even saw on his Instagram where he goes, man, people be hating on my backpack for whatever reason. <laughs> you know, I, try, I also think with him, like, when, you, when you're, you grow up and you inherit a dynasty that you actually didn't kind of build yourself and you maybe didn't exactly I don't know you almost grow up spoiled you know you grow up in this world that everyone else doesn't grow up in so it kind of changes your perspective on things if that makes any sense no absolutely makes uh, sense and I'm going to throw this bus family with the Lakers (laughs) Kev I always I wanted to ask you this because we really haven't talked about it on on or off air but do you think they recovered do you think there's a way from that no I think they're done I thought they, I've thought they were done for a little while. See, I think the yeah, I, I think they're going to try and come back. But Matt, where do you fall? Do you think that where they, do they come back? Matt's garage, like it's already gotten pretty brutal in terms of it's a Skype only match. We're just going to talk about what we are, what we'll do. We're just going to talk about it on the podcast while it's going on. Um, you know, um, I don't. I, this is, this is the only way they come back. It's how it cons someone else into investing a shitload of money. That's like the, the only way. Boy, and if back. I'm an investor, I've got an itchy pocket finger. Well, you know, he did it once. <laughs> so, That's true. He, I, he, I think you know, he, he's got good private lessons that he could give in exchange for <laughs> a million dollars. I just feel like when I read that he had gotten the investor. You know, that was a big thing for jiu-jitsu and that was important. And I feel like there's a weird part of you guys are forgetting the role that Metamora has played. You guys forget. You guys forget. I think they take us for granted as if we're not conscious of free thought. And there was even one article from, I think, Bloody Elbow this week that said, guys, let's not forget. So I have two places to go on this. And this is the reason why I bring that up. Number one. When you see a message like from Hollick that says, hey, AJ, if you just say you're sorry and then, you know, basically uh, write a testament to my vision, all will be forgiven. Does that make you a little bit more skeptical about the notes that you see from like Keenan and from, you know, Kaltera? And I thought I saw Vinny Magales put one and that was before any of this all came down. Man, I... It, I'm 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 incredibly skeptical of the note that Keenan put out there. I just it doesn't add up to everything else that you're hearing. I mean, it, I don't know. Maybe he just honestly felt that Halleck was trying to do something good for the jiu-jitsu community and just fucked up. I don't know, but it, it it does make me a little skeptical. 
I just think that when Keenan put the note out there, he just didn't care what the response was. He was like, that's how I feel. And, you know, people are bringing up points. It's like, you know, it's bad to, like, not pay people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Of, of you, course it is. You know Ooh. that they've done some bad shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. How much was, um? you know how much he was supposed to pay AJ or, you know, or other competitors? was? Well, like, I mean... I, Kev, do you know how much? I can't imagine it was like a, a shitload of money. I can give with. you what was read on one of the notes, which was that it was over $2,000. Jesus Christ, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I mean, it's like, you mean to tell me that he doesn't, he doesn't have that money himself? I just don't I would, know think- how you sit there and say... $2,000 is a good enough fee. And I can't even tell you that's the real amount. I can just tell you that's the amount that AJ put on that note. He didn't even put it. When he posted the note that included that information, there was a figure from some authority figure, which we can probably attest to, I guess, being pro wrestling fans. I think that's probably the best part of it for me is that there was just some email from the authority. And I go, yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> and they put that and they just go, yeah. Yeah, and you go, this is a dispute over $2,000? Like, why isn't this just bada-bang, bada-boom, we're done? Like, and just pay the man and we're done. It's a lot of that, too, oh, because even with these regional tournaments where people, um, you know, people register, it's like, what can we possibly be talking about? $300? How much could it be to register for a Metamorris event? That's what's so crazy about all this. It's like, pay these people back their money. Maybe this is like some sort of elaborate kayfabe work that that they're trying to build um, Halleck into being the next Mr. McMahon of the uh, Metamorphs world. Well, I I guess I do love his constant indignance. Like, hey, we're going to pay you. Like, why would you question our integrity? (laughs) Why would you question our integrity? And it does seem to be like that. Even now, he's like, I've hired a board of managers. It's like, wait, with what? How are you hiring With goodwill? Like. (laughs) What, how did you hire them? Why didn't you just use that money well, and pay people and end this nightmare? That's what I mean about Halleck and like my theory that he just grew up different than the rest of us because it was like he didn't expect something like this to happen. Like he gives this guy the Instagram, you know, access and says, "Hey, man, but he hasn't paid, but has and been he hasn't using paid his... yet. And then he's surprised that he's post something like this. Like he's been, he's been betrayed somehow. Like he wasn't expecting it. It just, it just seems like just he's grown up and he's experienced life a lot different than the rest of us. Fortunately, the FBI's on it, so we're gonna get some clarity. <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's another. And I've always liked like I've always liked Hitter and Heaton, and I know they get a, they get a lot of shit on the uh, message boards and the forums. And I mean. I never like jumped on none of that shit. I always thought, I always thought they were cool, and, and um, I always enjoyed interviewing them. Um, and now, like, we've talked so much shit on how I don't think they're ever going to come back on our podcast ever again. So that kind of sucks. But <laughs> I, I think it'd be weird if you were saying something that just wasn't true. I think that's the whole thing that we come down in this whole epic deconstruction of what the fuck's going on. Like, Upset as press. People. He has no, upset people. No, but as press, we shouldn't be disliked for reporting the facts. So yeah. 
you know, it's one thing if we're, you know, distorting the truth or taking it somewhere else. And as I say, we do a pretty strong job of not reporting the Ooh, speculation. I like that. Sorry. Of not reporting speculation. It's, so it's out there. I mean, we're not creating there, this shit. I and wish we were. To. Some of it, for the love yeah. of fuck, it's hard to decode. <laughs> but when you're reacting does, to does this, does ever make sense? Well. There That's was a that great question. The first event was awesome. The, no, no. You're asking, does he ever make sense when he's arguing? Oh, That's no. okay. I'll tell you guys what I honestly wanted to do because I thought it was coming from a decent place. Last week I was very busy, but I, I read that statement that he put out and I realized I was like, you know, it's been a while since they've had somebody in a PR angle who really understands and can explain to him how some of these comments come off. And what I wanted to do was <laughs> take that statement, put it in a Word document. And comment and tear the shit out of it and say, like, this is what this means. I hope you understand this sentence means this. Uh, This sentence may come off condescending or I don't know if you mean to make this argument. Uh, But starting off on accusing the person who took, you know, your account on their ego and saying, like, I don't know if their intentions are pure, guys. (laughs) Is like, dude, is this a mixtape? Like, are you going after Meek Mill right now? Like, no, it's a response. You're just supposed to say what the fuck you're supposed to say and not make it petty. Because I feel like the same thing happened when he was going for Gary being like, oh, you know, when those other people get involved, we're just so pure and trying to get there. It's like, no, the dude wanted to go somewhere else. He's going to go. That's what business is. And so these weird, petty, like, I don't know cheap shots it tells me that no publicist in their right mind is looking at this um i just didn't even have the free time to do it yeah. and then as i saw it go more and more i go i don't know that there's anything i can suggest anymore i think it's getting so far out of hand that even though my intentions would be like hey man i hope you understand this is what this sounds like or this is what this is i think it's all by the wayside now yeah i you know and and i think that God, he'd be so. At this point, he would have been so much better off looking back if he wouldn't have played the hand of cards when he played with Eddie Bravo and EBI, and that they actually could have worked together. Better. His uncle and he getting in a fight afterwards was probably helpful. It was probably good. <laughs> cool, cooler heads prevailed. Yeah, man, that that see, that's my dream. This is my Bellator dream. Fight. There are a lot it's, of events um, here to cover. I'm sorry. Now I'm just like, oh god, that's right. Eddie fought for them, was a huge yeah. draw, and then they just acted like a holes about the whole. Their fight. biggest draw, and 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 the one match that fucking delivered because a lot of them were snooze fest. The one that had action had, you know, we had a house full of people in my house. We're all screaming and yelling at the TV. It was it was their biggest draw. I'm, did you either of you in, let's paint a scenario where they do recover because let's just try this real quick I'm fascinated by this they somehow last ditch effort a next event that would in theory have to catapult them in some way so they'd have to bring athletes of some kind do you guys think they're desperate enough to resort to like fireworks or some sort of crazy <laughs> trick inside it like you've seen Keenan fight, we've never seen Keenan fight on fire. <laughs> oh my god, that's so hot! You know, this is the match. This this is what puts them back out there, and everybody who watched this, they they um 
he gets rid of this um, exclusive uh, contract thing, and he signs Gary Tonnen, he signs Paul Harris, and they fight to, they fight to the break. Ooh. They fight till somebody's legs broke. I'd watch. Yeah, fair. Yeah, it was going. And they're, they're like, it's an eight-month subscription, and we're going to charge you six times. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, would you shit. sign up for an eight-month subscription, but you got to watch Gary Tonnen versus Paul Harris? Yeah. And uh, as you, you said, uh, in a limb match, which I had never heard that well, term before. It is a limb match. If those two guys it. fight, if those two a, guys fight, someone's getting their leg broke. A limb match, yeah, definitely, and you know, if not both. So, I guess that's the road. Do you think it's going to happen, Raph? Gundy, what's your gut? What's your gut? My gut says they will never stop trying to come back. I think it. it I think it's never. part of a pride thing. Like when they're doing a regional San Diego Open, uh, and it's Kev, just... I think I think the pride runs deep in there, and I think that they're gonna keep trying. I think in its purest form, and take away all of the bullshit that's happened. I think in Holly's brain, he has something that he feels strongly and passionate about, which a lot of your, you know, your big people who want to achieve big things have in their brain. And I think that I don't know what it takes for him to let it go because think about what he's already been through and that he still hasn't let it go and said like, nah, somebody else should take the reins here. Like it is a consistent – it's like an addiction to having control of Metamoris or at least wanting to see it all the way through. So my theory is this. Yeah, you had a vision at one time it seemed like. I mean at one time it seemed really – you know, it seemed very promising. Even the name, you know, where it came from and – the whole philosophy behind, you know, the, the Indian who try to get all the other Indians together so they could, you know, create a better life for each other. And boy, God, times have changed. Well, I guess, you know, I think we all knew how that ended up for the Indians, too. So I guess it was only a matter of time. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just, I uh, always feel like every time I would see this, I just would immediately get a red flag and I'd see another red flag and I'd see another red flag. And yet they'd still persist and go with it. I feel that they try and keep it going. If they have more investors that they're actually talking and that's a real thing, good for them. Like, you know, they make so many mistakes. I mean, from dinner and I don't know what it takes for the regular person to come back. I think that's the bigger issue. Now, where Matt I think is the most correct is it all comes from matchups. You put the right matchup together, people can't avoid it. What about the fire idea? Or were you just out? I think we're gonna nix the fire one, Kevin, unless Holic sends out a text that in Wait. secret just says like, "Hey guys, if you couldn't mind uh, doing your match on fire while also talking up our vision, that'd be really helpful to me." Thank you. You know, the other thing here though is a lot of those matches just didn't deliver. I mean, there were a, a lot of those matches ended up just being boring, and the competitors weren't really bringing the heat beyond anything that Halleck did. Yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, they were, it'd be different if they ended in submissions, but I think the hardest part about it is you have these guys who are so good at what they do. They're so proficient that it it just became an exhibition of, well, we're both really good at jiu-jitsu. There's very little margin of error. They're so good that if they play defense, you're not tapping them, period. Yeah. Went decision, then went away from decision. And it drums. makes Eddie look so smart at the way he's done shit. I mean, he's, he's he's been a genius all the way through and through. 
Well, I mean, like somebody said, they were like, Eddie was just sitting at home being like, what's going on? Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. not paying people and he's a misogynist? Perfect. That's great. Oh, what's that's that AJ took over his, his Instagram account and that's oh, a thing? That uh, AJ, what a hilarious youngster doing that funny <laughs> stuff. How does he not take a shot at Halleck right now somehow? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to resist it if I was Eddie. It's. I mean, it's tough, but I think... <laughs> I think at a certain point you just realize there's n- no upside. They probably have. We all just missed it. It was hour two and a half of the Joe Rogan experience. We're like, shit. <laughs> it's been like 47 minutes. Somebody will get to it here in the next few weeks. But I just like the idea that like Eddie's probably teaching a class out there somewhere. And he's just like, guys, guys, let me tell you something, okay? The thing about Metamorris that's going on right now is I'm just going to sit and chill, okay? Like. Sure. I'm going to let them do their shit and then like EBI like nine is going to be in play before they get to like Metamorphs 7.5 or whatever the fuck it is. Because I, I mean, feel like that's I what's going to happen. Man. If you just compare the two and the way that Eddie built it and the way that Halleck built it, it's just Eddie did everything right thus far and, and Halleck did everything wrong. Well, the argument is Halleck went big business, like tried to make it a big thing. And progressively had to make it smaller as he went along, whereas Eddie took the more like, let's make a small thing big. And I think you see that with a prize amount of $50,000 for their next event, where Metamorris is like, yo, can we borrow some of that scratch? <laughs> it's, it also has a little to do with like trying to use the UFC model. Of like eliminating mm-hmm. your opponent mm-hmm. by signing people to exclusivity contracts. It's like we are not there, Alec. No, like, no n- way. No we're one here. thought we were there when he did it. It was just like, wait, are you the fucking reason we can't see Keenan more right now? Is that what you're saying? Like, glad Gary didn't take it, and EBI hasn't had those restrictions because it's competitive grappling. Yeah. You have to do it a lot, and there have been six yeah, metamorphoses. Just not very many partners trying to tell him like, oh, let's get, you know, let's get exclusive contracts when we're like 20 years away from even thinking about it. Or they just, I don't know what it was, but tired of seeing your favorite fighters come to (laughs) Metamorphos. It's it's a, it's a bold double down on something, some kind of either stupidity or balls to really uh, sit there and say, like, well, guys, we're going to pay you with the money that we haven't made yet, but that we will make in the future. Because it's definitely going to happen. Business. And that's how we're business gonna get works. more subscribers. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so I don't I'm know. I'm actually still a subscriber to Metamorphos. <laughs> well, he thanks you for three times the I charge. I'll have to check. So <laughs> you, you've directly contributed to the uh, Gary Tonin 140K fund that never ended up getting. Uh, put it I did, there. and I'm I'm so lazy. I've never canceled my shit. It just keeps on getting charged. You know, I mean, oh, no. you know, it's part of the Ponzi scheme that we all played called Metamorphos. But I find that that's a good thing. So let me ask you this, uh, Matt. That's just them looking out for the BJJ future. <laughs> if that makes yeah, you feel better, community. that's that's why they have automatic recurring payments. It's BJJ passion. Go ahead. Right. Let me ask you this, though, uh, Matt. So we know your feelings about Metamorris, and that's great. Um, one thing I was interested in, because when you go on somebody else's podcast, you really have to check. You get used to asking the questions, 
And so at a certain point, I was like, yeah. oh, shit, I'm a guest here. I shouldn't be asking any questions. That's their job. Uh, but you just get in excited and you're in the moment. So for you guys, you know, where was it that you guys started? Because I know Kevin and I have a story and you asked me how we got started on your show. But how is it that you guys got started? Because you guys have a very diverse uh, series of backgrounds in jiu-jitsu that brought you guys all together. You know, um, so many, I mean, myself, many, many, many fucking years ago, I, my, my training started at Ken Shamrock Lions Den. Um, and my cousin Tim was my, you know, who was the host of Inside BJJ. He went and trained for many, many years because I was an asshole. And as soon as I got done training, I would come home. We were roommates. And I would try all the moves that I learned on him. <laughs> so for the longest time, he absolutely hated any type of grappling or, or, or anything like that because I pretty much tortured him on a daily basis. And later on, I moved. I moved. When I moved out of Stockton for a while, all of a sudden, he started training when I was gone. <laughs> and, and he started really enjoying it. I ended up moving back. And it went from, you know, me. It's really what you get for off. leaving Stockton, if you think about it. Yeah, I know. It. You know, if you move, you're going to come back. That's the thing about Stockton that you will find out. But um, so then I come back and, you know, all of a sudden he's turned the corner and he's way better. Now he's kicking my ass all the time. And then, um, and Ernest, you know, had been training forever, wrestling, judo, jiu-jitsu. So, um, and then one day he decided uh, to um, start a podcast. Um, he had a website going for a little bit and, and then he turned it into a podcast and it's been, it's been so much fun. I'm so glad that we did it. It's that we've done this. It's, I've been able to talk to so many people that I would have never been able to talk to. And I've been able to go to things that I would have never been able to go to, you know, um, it's been so awesome. Really. It's been an awesome journey. Cause I, I always wondered this and I, I think this segues to the next part, which is, Actually, you know, I'm going to come back to this. I want to ask. So you're training at the Lions Den with Ken Shamrock. Killing people, presumably? <laughs> it was pretty brutal back then. It was like I didn't learn. I really didn't learn a lot of good technique. I just kind of learned how to stop. <laughs> the shit kicked out of you. To be honest with you. Like, technique comes through beatings. What? <laughs> like, have you ever really just, like, sat there and thought about how much more damage you sustained learning that kind of jujitsu as it was going on. Like, you know, you maybe could have yeah. learned to sweep, but instead you maybe yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's maybe it's a testament to your endurance and your durability. Um, but I guess, you know, what was it like at that time training there? Because I don't think Kevin and I have ever had anything that comparable in our own experiences. Well, you know, it was crazy. What was crazy about it is at the time that people forget later on, Ken Shamrock became somewhat people kind of considered more of a joke, but back in those days that they were like, you know, the Greg Jackson's of, of MMA. They were yeah. the best team. All of the best fighters were showing up over there. So I just, you know, same story. One day someone showed me a video UFC. I fell in love with it. I see Ken Shamrock on there. They say, you know, he's from Lodi. He's got a school and I'm like, fuck, I want to go do it. And I was really just kind of going as a fan. And you get there, there's like fucking, there's Oleg Dictara, there's Kiyoshi Kosaka, there's um, Maurice Smith. I mean, it was crazy being able to, to, to train with all those guys. 
it was really intimidating though. Like the first remember the first day I went, I never <laughs> I would I think it's any, intimidating. That's a fair like it would still be intimidating. It was intimidating. Now. It took me a while to, so I called the place like two or three times and and talked to a couple of people before I actually went. And I remember when I went, I finally worked up the nerve to go and I had never wrestled or any anything like that before. So I opened the door and I almost put my foot on the mat, not knowing that you're not ever supposed to put your regular shoes <laughs> on the mat. And there's like, I don't Simple know, there was a class going. Yes, it was a mistake. But so when Jerry Bolander was there, he rushes the door, pushes me off the mat and screams, don't put your foot on the mat. I was like, I almost pissed myself right there, to be honest with you. And then, um, and he came back around the other way, and he was like, I'm really sorry I had to jump jump at you like that, but we just bought these mats, and like, you can't ever put you know, <laughs> regular shoes on a mat. That was like my, uh, my first day there. And then, um, we all I learned a lot with a Jerry. Different time. Yeah, I trained a lot with Jerry Bolander, and he was a real hard ass back then. And I kind of hated him back then, to be honest with you, because he was just, he was, he, I thought he was a dick back then. But now that I look back, you know, I thought, man, he really, he was really giving me what I needed, but I didn't realize it, you know, until later. And then now, and now we, we're pretty good, you know, we're pretty good friends nowadays, but, you know, <laughs> I lacked, I lacked discipline in my life at that time. And he really helped me get more disciplined in my life, which I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got if some guy like that wasn't in my face, really fucking calling me out, you know, on a regular basis when I was not putting in a hundred percent pretty different too when your fight coach is getting on you about not putting in 100 percent just because they can physically and will beat the shit out of you during so it is very <laughs> different i think it's a different sense of respect and just that's what's great about martial arts by the way people at home if you're like ah my kid's a little feisty it feels like some discipline would be helpful it's like, i just feel like you also have an accelerated version of like if you didn't have the discipline before that's a very quick learning curve. So you don't really get a long time to really fuck around in that world. No, I there's a lot of people that came once and never came back again. It, it was, they, they were a bunch of meatheads, but it, I think it was just being able to be here. I love the sport so much and being able to be in that environment, you know, around all those people that I, you know, that I idolized. And then, you know, later on in the life, you know, their, their thing fell apart and, I met someone named Steve Heath who was um, training Nick and Nate Diaz, and I started training with them. And, you know, I feel really blessed that I've been able to, uh, you know, I was able to witness, you know, the rise of Frank Shamrock and the fall of the Lions Den and the rise of Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz. And I've been able to see some really cool shit happen and unfold. You know, it's been, it, that, that's, I really feel fortunate that way. Badass. That's so cool. Now, I mean, I mean, you probably also experience on this on your side as I do on this side. Kevin, tell him how much you know about professional wrestling. Um, well, I've never read any of the screenplays, but I I understand the basic je ne sais quoi. It's very Romeo and Juliet. Very tight. Yep. As we can see, as we can see here, Kevin proving. How the little he knows about big it. Big truck diesel is about to get slammed by the <laughs> wow stereotype. This is, this is a, a rough one to listen to. So on your side, are you the main force? Like, how did that happen with you guys integrating that? Because I find that the way that you Me. infuse it 
it was, it's kind of in the same way where I think maybe you and I share this. I'm just going to bulldoze it and do what I want and talk about what I want when I want. Yeah, that's, 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 (laughs) when Tim started inside DJJ, his vision of what it was going to be is like completely radically different than what it actually became. Mm. (laughs) I think that's one of the worst things he ever could have done is, 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 um, is call me and ask me to do it because I had my own agenda and my own ideas and, um, diehard wrestling fan. Um, actually speaking of wrestling, I do, uh, another podcast called the last round get a plug in there last last week we interviewed um animal from the legion of doom we uh talked to professional wrestlers quite a bit and i don't know man i just think that there would that re- professional wrestling paved the way and it set the stage for something like the ufc to be able to exist later on down the line it got everybody ready for it and the in the, the theater in pro wrestling definitely exists in mma even though it's it's a real fight but i see so many correlations and so many storylines and so many heels and so many baby faces and it's it i love it you know, feels like more now too doesn't it am i am i making it up it feels like especially just more, right now more we've well i had somebody out. looking at me the other day and saying we had comments on this on our our facebook uh, wall that just said you know i don't understand why you know, Dominic Cruz has to like play all these mind games and say all these things. It's a little too WWE for me. And I'm like, you're just picking that up now. now. <laughs> well, you know, everyone calls Muhammad Ali the, the greatest fighter of all time. And, you know, some people know, some people don't, but he was a huge professional wrestling fan. And he borrowed a lot of the things that he did from gorgeous George, from the, from the white robe to saying how pretty he was. And he understood the game and how it was played way back then. And the fighters that, that understand that are going to make a hell of a lot more money than the fighters that don't. And they're going to get you talking about it. And whether you recognize it or not, you talking about it makes people way more interested in seeing the fight. So I think that's always the, the most interesting part for me is to watch people get that there. The one thing that you guys do that we haven't done, uh, at least not yet. Research? No, the, definitely not that. I do know that for sure. But the one thing that you guys don't do or that we don't do that you guys do, and I'm intrigued to hear this because when you say you have a spinoff of the show, why is it that you guys feel the need to not just do one podcast but more podcasts? Because that, that plural seems difficult. And time you know, I just think it's, it's, this is an honest answer. We're just trying to figure out a way to make a little bit of money. <laughs> That's probably the best. Because at the end of the day, we haven't really made that much. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Figure this out, podcast game is so fucking lucrative. It is brutal. With, like, with all the investors. Down conglomerates and, and yeah, uh, taking down Holic. It's all part of our evil terrestrial f- radio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if I could do this every day and not have a day job, I would be in fucker heaven. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. That's the dream. Whatever happened, I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna die trying. I always like to think I'll be better at it too, but that I'm not gonna promise. That's no. damn sure. I do find it interesting though that when you guys were starting to do that, and I was especially happy to hear that you were doing uh, a spin off that would feature a little bit of boxing and pro wrestling. Um, do you find that the guests though, because they know maybe that you train or that you have that interest, do you ever find that they have that interest in what it is that 
you talk about or that any of your training or any of that? Like, do they ever have that weird kind of connection with you in that uh, sense? You know, um, a lot of people don't. A lot of, <laughs> um, but people that have um, been on the show like several times, and you start, you know, start developing a, a friendship with, it starts changing. In the beginning, most people don't really care too much about your training, <laughs> but like. You know, like, um, like Dwayne Ludwig and myself would be through the show became pretty good friends. So, so some of that shit's been really cool where you may know, become genu- genuinely interested in like your training and what you're doing. Yeah. Most of the time it's just, it's just, just about them. But, um, the other podcast I'm doing, which is the last round, it's not really a, it's not really a spinoff. It's another thing. It's another thing altogether. That's not. It's, you know, inside BJJ helps me promote it, but it's not really, they're not really connected or affiliated. I just always but feel like little, when you say that, it uh, makes me feel like it's Cheers spun off like yeah, other sitcom. And so that's the only reason why it feels like a spinoff to me because I was like, well, I, I learned him from that show and now there's another show. So inherently you do think it's a spinoff, but yeah, sure. So it helps you promote it. Um, it does. It does live and breathe as its own entity, though. So that. Yeah, and it's just you know, like I, like um, there's a local MMA um, show, Pop Light MMA, and I'm going to be doing their uh, their play by play, and it just it, it just opens those kind of doors, and that shit is just so much fun to do. Yeah. I mean, I love MMA, I love jujitsu, I love pro wrestling, I love boxing, and any way that I could be a part of it, and that's you know, then I want to be a part of it. And. It's gotten you balls deep in this Metamora story, and you got to thank it for that, right? <laughs> if ever a moment where it's like, call it balls deep. I'm so glad I started training jiu-jitsu, this is it. No, it's always cool to hear to hear different ones, and I'm also curious, how long were you, so how long were you training in your timeline before you start podcasting and start joining the media? Uh, you know, um, I trained for a long time, and I always, I always wanted to fight. You know, back in those days, there wasn't a lot of grappling tournaments. You, you train people that train usually fought. Um, so, um, and then I was, I was, I wanted to fight really bad, but I was kind of really scared to fight. And I was like, well, if I get a little bit better, I'll, you know, if I get, if I get my stand up a little bit better, if I get my wrestling a little bit better, and so finally, by the time I was like thirty three years old, I finally got to where. I felt like I had all the shit that I needed. And then um, I made my debut. I had my first pro fight. I won. And then my whole life, just my whole personal life, just completely went into the shitter and everything fell apart. And then I kind of spun out for a while. And then, um, and then I just kind of trained here and there. And I hadn't, I hadn't hardly trained at all. I had gotten hurt a bunch of times. And I was really fucked up and I had done no training and, 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 and then Tim called me basically and asked me if I wanted to do the podcast. And that's really what got me, got me training again. I was pretty much done. My whole, my, I mean, I had so many injuries. I was so burned out. You know, all that lion's den shit took a toll on me later on in life. My neck and my back. And, and I was pretty much done. I didn't really think, I, I had no intention of ever training again, to be honest with you. And then just doing the podcast got me back into it. Really. And which has been, you know, it's, it's really one of the best things that probably could have happened because it really got me back on a better straight, a more, 
on a straight and narrow path. We always talk about how, how like, um, it's like religion. Like people talk about, you know, their jujitsu, what jujitsu, you can take the word Jesus and replace it with jujitsu. People can talk about when they found jujitsu or when they, when they found Jesus and the changes that it made in their life. So, I mean, I guess the difference is I could see jujitsu, but I, you know, never mind. (laughs) I think the interesting part about this, at least for your story as compared to Kevin's, and I know Kevin and I joke about this all the time, but Kevin, at the very beginning of our show, had a a slight desire. Uh, tell me if I'm misleading here, Kevin. But you had a slight desire to get into a cage. Am, oh, I, yeah. am I wrong here? Absolutely. Do you have that anymore? Uh, not not as such. No, not as much. And that's that's always been something that's like seriously concerned me because I feel like if you if you want to do it, you just you have to commit and you can't half-ass that sort of thing and with kevin i'm like dude i just don't want to see this guy get hurt because i'm gonna have to be in his corner and i you know i might try and like trick the referee into thinking he you know submitted (laughs) i'd throw in the towel for him (laughs) you know like i just don't want the guy to get hurt slip on the slip on the foreign object oh absolutely i mean the sad part is kevin wouldn't know what to do with the foreign object if he had one in a ring anyway so it's not even a problem but I think in, in your case, if it were you know, a guitar, I'd play it. If it were a chair, under no circumstances, I just. <laughs> but for you, though, would be helpful. <laughs> when you're there, though, Matt, and you did get to fight, and you did get it out of your system, you know, does that feel better now to have had that out and and gotten yeah. it out of oh, your system? Yeah. And do you feel it, like it, is it your advice to other people, maybe podcasters or jujitsu folk? Like, what is your feel about? that split between wanting to be a fighter or, or not for you? You know, I would tell everyone that wanted to, that, you know, like you said, you got to fuck serious, but, but I'm so glad that I did it. I think it's just, if I wouldn't have did it, even though I only did it once and I can never get my shit back together again, but just the fact that I did it, nothing like it helped me psychologically in, in other areas in life. Cause after that, other shit is just getting in a cage against another human being and, all these people watching and, and, and fighting just a lot of other things are not as intense as that. Mm. It's like, if you could get through that, you could get through, you know, a lot of other stuff. So I think it's really carried over and helped me with, you know, other things in life. So I'm really glad that I did it. It was one of the craziest experiences I've ever had in my entire life. I'll never <laughs> forget it. And I think I'm a better man because of it. Um, but, you know, it is, you know, you could really get fucked up out there. So you really got to put the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the training in. I guess that was the part but I always I, felt you know, that with Kevin was kind of glossing over was the fact that he would, like, start getting punched back. Yeah. And that's the part I was like, because, like, the hard part for me is I would always tell him, he's like, well, how about you? Do you feel like you need to get in a cage? And I'm like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Not even remotely interested. Nope. It's such a fucked up life in a way. I mean, it's like just that one fight that I finally, you know, training camp and, and like my, you know, my, my lady's pissed at me all the time. So I'm always training and you can't fucking eat the shit you want to eat. You can't party with your friends and you don't make that money. It's really not that glamorous of a life. And it's only a small, small percentage of people that are actually going to make anything from doing it. So, you really got to love this shit if you're going to do it. On the other side, though, that does give you a good in anytime you are talking with a fighter because, 
I'm sure that you find whenever people find out you train jujitsu and you talk to somebody doing jujitsu, uh, the conversation changes a little bit just in terms of an interview dynamic. Like, you know, I walk around with a microphone and glasses and I'll ask somebody something who does jujitsu. If they have no clue, I've never trained, you know, it's kind of like one way. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw somebody who I trained with who did that move. And they'll be like, you're my friend. Yeah, I guess so. Like, it's, it's the so. simplest thing in the world. Family. Yeah, it does change the dynamic. And I always like to, I always like to joke around and say that I'm an undefeated fighter. <laughs> and I've only had one fight. <laughs> like, none of my fights have ever gone out of the first round. I've never gone the distance. <laughs> I finished all of my opponents. <laughs> you 100% should run with that. It's, uh, and I guess you earned the... that by the way, don't feel even remotely bad about that. That's a title. Well earned. I guess it's the nerdier, uh, version of it on my side, which is I retired in debate having never lost, even though <laughs> that's the same. I did. Yeah. That's basically, you know, even though on the other side, uh, I only debated once, and that was in a novice round. But I was really good. <laughs> you can't deny that. I, I, I'm one of the few athletes that left the sport on top. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'll say about Matt Freeman: he left the he left the fight game on his own terms, and not a lot of guys get to do that. You know, there's your Chris Collinsworth called his own plays. I'll tell you what, I, I enjoy. I enjoy beer and I enjoy pizza and I enjoy ice cream and I don't think I'd want to spend, you know, 10 years fighting. There's like 10 people in our listenership that are cutting weight right now just because, you know, there's a guy like, oh, I like this guy until that fucking part about the pizza and the ice cream. I was on his side. It's like, in the beginning, you could, in the USC, you could, like, um, a lot of guys had jobs, you know. Nobody was training full-time, and I don't think That's it was. crazy to think it, about, isn't it? Yeah, that is nuts. Yeah, like, Don Fry was a paramedic, and, you know, um, people weren't as serious as today. So, like, you probably, you know, you could probably, you know, pound you could drink a lot, like tank, like a tank habit, you know, and it wasn't, I wish that, that, that was still available where like there could be a, a MMA league where guys, you know, don't take it as serious. <laughs> like, you know, you, they, you don't have, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying there? It'd be, it'd be a lot yeah. easier instead of like having to dedicate your life to it. <laughs> well, Matt, we really appreciate you swinging by this evening. Um, inside BJJ Inside BJJ Matt, when people want to abuse you on Twitter, which I strongly encourage them all, it's at Inside BJJ Matt. If you're uh, feeling feisty or just want to pick a fight with someone that's been doing it since Shamrock's been around, so go at your own peril. Undefeated, undefeated in the <laughs> MMA cage. And uh, you said you were going to be doing commentary. Who are you? Who are you doing commentary for? So, um, um, Hoplite MMA. It's a it's a it's a local Northern California, yeah, MMA organization. They just um just hit me up and uh, my partner Jim Cooley that I do the uh, last round podcast with. So we're going to be doing commentary for them. Um, so um, check out Inside BJJ Last Round Podcast. And um, you guys are awesome. I've been a big fan of you guys for a long time. I love the name Verbal Tap. That's a creative, clever name. Like verbally tapping 
beating someone to a verbal tap is like the best way you could beat somebody. Like they couldn't even tap. They had to verbally submit to you. I'll tell you one thing that's even cooler than that is when, uh, you end up doing it to somebody and then they have to do the, like, you know, people around will be like, Raph, I guess he verbally tapped you. And I'm like, thank you. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I paid you know, to bow. tap out. You now, have to so. bow. And it's weird in class when you have to, like, stand up It is up a little weird. Bow. But I, I do appreciate that, like, anytime somebody verbally taps, it's like they look to me and I'm like, yeah, that's the name of my show. Thank you very much. And, yes, Kevin <laughs> did not like that name for at least a month and a half. While we were doing the show, until he realized how amazing it was, it's still yes. under review. It's a great the whole name. Story it, sticks in, the name. it sticks in your brain. There's a million other podcasts, anime, jiu-jitsu podcasts out there, and Verbal Tap is like a name that you just won't quickly forget. We'll take it. And now, see, Matt's just flirting and trying to, and we, that's why we like <laughs> having him around. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for swinging by the yeah, podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. We're Super gonna, fun. We're gonna have to talk to you again, sir. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. Raph, I, I like Matt. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, we just recorded and, you know, I kind of want to lower his guard so I can attack them when they're at their weakest. Mm-hmm. I really like him. Not not that elaborate plan I just described, but the other way. Yeah, of course. So you know, I'm just saying by way of I th- I'm complimenting your guest choosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was obviously against bringing someone from penetrated BJJ onto the podcast, but he'll work. You know, I just always feel bad because whenever they say inside BJJ, I inside. always wonder. That's <laughs> I mm-hmm. can never. Mm-hmm. I just always wonder: Are the listeners wearing protection? Because if they're inside you, whoa, hey. (laughs) Yeah, uh, dividing BJJ didn't seem quite as good. So inside's not bad. And penetrated is vulgar. Penetrated is the the porn spinoff because they're going to put out another one, I'm sure. Uh, Balls deep BJJ. Please don't say balls deep after fucking Mitrio and Blay fair oh god uh, <laughs> sorry you brought it i had successfully swiped it from my memory thank you uh it's good back. for you i described it earlier to someone and they, i was like you got to look at it and i heard them scream from across the room when they brought it out <laughs> uh which is always the best raf great podcast lots going Most on fun. some fun hey some sketch comedy people are getting mm-hmm. some sketch in a nice full live recreated gangster piece theater here Let's just remember who's bringing the live reads. The, Absolutely. And, and thank you to everybody who did all so of those cool. live reads. You really brought things to life that I don't know that people saw before, but they definitely won't forget it now. They've, they've seen and heard it, and they've seen it with their, with their ears. Um, that means it's time for some shout-outs. Yeah. Raph. Yeah. Uh, big shout-out to Keith Christensen, my rehab specialist. I went and saw... I've I've been almost cleared by my actual practicing physician, so I just want to give the shout-out to Impact Sports Medicine, another major jump out to those guys. 
Uh, and some help from the BJJ community, by the way. Got some nice yeah. names. Just uh, Jen Perez a message. You know, was able to shoot T Money a message. Get some Denver names about jiu-jitsu schools and places they've heard of despite where they train and, you know, additions. So shout out to those guys. And that's going to do it for me, Raph. I want to go ahead and start by shouting out. Again, I know we just said it two seconds ago, but thank you to everybody who took the time to put together those reads. Um, we had joked about this. We had joked about the concept of doing a serial version of Metamorphs. And I'll put this out there to anybody who thinks we are too harsh. And if you think we're too harsh, whoa. I would put this venture out there. We would 100%, even though we put this up as a meme, we would 100% do this. The real serial version of the Metamorphs saga, if people are willing to talk to us. When I first heard about Metamorphs, I thought, sure, makes sense. Mm. Great organization, maybe fell in some hard times. I felt bad for them, but remember their contributions. And then I started to dig deeper. I'm just, there you go, Raph. Yeah, I'm of course. Thank you. It. I'm just saying. It, it I know. Exists. I know. Well, don't give it away. You know, never show them for free. You know, just a teaser. Yeah. Okay. I we just we're at a point now where we were able to discuss it, and I was thinking more about this today. Where I thought, you know, it's so sad that this is where the state is. Where this was the only way to cover it. We thought because it's such a mess and. We do want to make sense of it because hopefully, you know, Holly says, let's not dwell on the past, but let's look at the past so we don't forget it. That's the whole thing with history that I think we we want to make sure that grappling does continue to move forward from here. So if you think we are too harsh and you happen to be one of the individuals who were involved, you are more than welcome to reach out to us. We would not have a problem talking with you and uh, doing the reporting upright, I guess. But, you know. In the meantime, this is something that affects the entire community, and we hope you guys were able to have a good laugh about it, and we hope that the people who worked hard get paid accordingly, and uh, then hopefully we can get back to talking about who should fight who or how bad Gary is at doing AJ impressions. I mean, I dare you. I thought <laughs> for a second, I was like, ah, oh, that was Gary. You know, the best part about Those Gary- vocal lessons are really paying off. <laughs> he should. He should really- Gary's a competitive that. guy. He really like even as I'm giving him shit, I'm like, you know, that's an okay AJ, or it's pretty good. And I'm He's laughing. Focused. He the whole time was like, Raph, you know I'm an actor. You know I can pull this stuff off. And I told him, I was like, Gary, here's the thing. You pull off the impression of AJ. Like, I'm pretty sure you imagine I pull off a heel hook. And at that point, I think he understood me better. And he laughed profusely. But anyway, everybody was a good sport. Thank you guys so much for playing along. I think it was a really fun segment. And, uh, you know, should the need call for it again, we'll do something crazy like that. But we hope things get resolved. And that will do it for that side. Let's go ahead and shout out some gyms. Let's shout out Valley Martial Arts Center. Great training partners over there. We're getting a lot of new people just out of the blue. Such cool people to talk to and, and find out why they're training. And uh, I, I've shown up at a couple of the beginner's classes as ca- taught by uh, Casey. And uh, they're, man, these kids are, are getting so good and really nice and enthusiastic. And that's where you really want new people to be when you start off and, and help them out. So I show up and, you know, do my shtick and tell them, hey, kids, I remember once when I was like you. 
Yep, I remember. I didn't even know how to tie my belt. And now I'm a blue belt who still doesn't know how to tie his belt. He just struggles mightily with the whole belt tie <laughs> thing. It's going much better, but, you know, every day is a learning experience. So. That's right. I you guarantee you it will, it will untie at least once <laughs> during a roll. Yeah. Which I will then, uh, I guess, segue to our good friends over at Breakdown Academy. BJJ which Breakdown. Uh, I was rolling there, and I was rolling with my friend Deb. And she's tough, so she's always, like, gritting it out. And I'm, I'm trying to finish the submission or something on her. And she taps, and I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I, I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't, you're really flexible, so I don't really want to, you know, bend your arm too much or anything like that. And she just goes... Oh, I'm fine. And then I realized that my belt had like basically gone around her neck and she was just kind of like shrugging it off like, oh, it's fine. Whatevs. I was just like, Deb, you are way tougher than any of us in this room. You literally would have been strangled by my belt. and would have been just like, yeah, whatevs. <laughs> it's a legit submission. Yeah. So uh, my credit and kudos to her, my credit and also kudos to John Evans, always putting down the good information and logistic training over there. So good stuff on that way. And uh, I want to shout out uh, just a whole bunch of people who have been listening to us. You guys have been sending great and awesome messages. We love getting them. I want to shout out Dean Lister. Please don't footlock me. We just put up a meme and, you know, Sometimes people just they look Kevin, they just look like they belong in the film. I don't, know you, I don't see it, first of all. I said that when you showed it to me. I was like, don't see it and don't post it. I I said that clearly. You said, you know, what what's what's gonna happen? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, but a million other people said it was correct. So <laughs> I guess one of us is the pose is shockingly it does bear a slight resemblance, I guess. And really if it's I'm mostly it's basically Juan's fault because he's the one that's got that look that's like perfectly like embraced. Nice, of, nice Raph. That's good. It's Juan's fault. It Juan's is his definitely fault. the one that found that photo. Saw it. Thought, yeah, I should put that next. And I also, you know what? You know what? Okay, fine. While we're on this fucking shit, I'm going to fucking come after, what is it? Tyler? Tyler is, God damn it. So we have a, a, a viewer who put on here. When uh, Juan put up, Dean, footlock this man, meaning me. And I was like, whoa, whoa, we don't need to do that. Come on. Tyler Basinger basically put a me of uh, Shia LaBeouf, who, by the way, I ran into out here in Los Angeles just yesterday. Well, I told him what Tyler uh, put down here, which was, do it. Just do it. (laughs) So anyway... He puts that meme up, and I was like, oh, for real? Are you really trying to get me killed here? <laughs> how how quickly the tables turned. Yeah, was, no shit. Uh, everybody's enjoying the meme while coming up with an appropriate punishment, which is great. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Dean Lister put up this note that said, you know, in response to a footlock, he goes, I have a new move called the back double upside down reverse inverted flying can opener of the leg. Was looking for someone to try that on. Maybe he'll name it after you because that name really needs some work. It's going to catch on. <laughs> That's As a commentator, not... I can tell you that will that'll fly a thousand times. So underneath that chain, I want to say thank you very much, Tyler, for being a dick. But underneath that chain, you can see a photo of me and uh, you can imagine what it looks like. But it says that look when you get done with training to see Dean Lister has put a head out on your leg. Enjoy that one, the Internet. Anyway. <laughs> 
I think that's going to do it for me, but I want to thank all of you guys. And I have one last thank you to a certain friend of ours. Kev, did you see that somebody came out of retirement today? I did see that somebody came out of retirement, yeah. Does that mean that we have to for, bring them back on the show? How can we not have BJ Penn back on the show now that he's back in the game? Oh, bro, I don't – no, I can't. Oh, waiting. No, later, in okay. The I'll talk to BJ, you later, BJ, Hey, hold on. Before you go, you know we're oh. going to bring you on, but you have to tell us why are you coming back. Oh, bro. So, like, okay, you know when, like, you're chilling and, like, Definitely. you're on an island and, like, <laughs> bro, it's like, you know, like, I just forgot a fight and, like, I need to come back now because, bro, like, it's the time. I can beat that Conor McGregor, you know? Yeah, I don't. What weight class are you fighting in? Are you fighting? Oh, it doesn't matter, I guess. He'll come oh, meet you. Bro, they're gonna put me in all the weight classes, bro. <laughs> that's, that's the BJ I remember. That's You're right, bro. Do a first. But overream. hey, Kev, before I go, I have a question for you, bro. Yes, sir. Um, what are the odds you would give me to beat Conor McGregor, bro? Oh, hundred to one. You're beating him. That's not even question me. I find that I find that question insulting, BJ. Oh, that's great, bro. Thank you we for always you. believing in me, bro. It's so great. Okay, everybody, I have hey, to go. BJ but Penn, I just we'll want to say soon. it's been great to yeah, be here. Up. Yeah. And um, please pray for me. We'll do. Because, Definitely. You know, I think I'm go- Okay, okay. 50. Bye, bro. Bye, BJ. Have a good one. Oh, good day. Oh, so good to have our mixed board back. It's just nice when the athletes call in. It sucks that we lose Raph momentarily, but he's back now. <laughs> Rap for you. I just thought that was odd. Sorry. Yeah. BJ called in. You know. Uh, well, I, he sounds you, great. We, he sounds younger he than ever. <laughs> he does sound younger than ever. A, he sounds like he hasn't been called in a couple times. So. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I just, you know, he's well, he's rusty in the interviews, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got to like, shake off the rust. He's just sitting there and he's like, I don't know why. Uh, uh, God, he I love, would call uh, us at the end of the show. Which I, I think you would. Figure that's a top of the guest nah, thing, I but mean, I guess we were just so jam packed. He's not here for the glory. We know that. Nah. So he's here because he likes to fight. Uh, that? That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tab. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night. And it pays the stick till all the way to the end of the podcast. <laughs>